0: graduation go through some of you are trying to recover from my snide comment just forgive me and we'll move on uh, I love all my children equally um, Is everything okay is that me you don't know okay uh, I always let me try and reorient my thoughts here just for a second we try to look at things that our graduates wouldn't have known or would not be common to them to show how times have changed and how the world is changing in the period since they have been born so those who are graduating they're the last group that was born in the last century Uh, some of them were born in 99 some of them were born in 2000 among the iconic figures who have never been alive never been alive in their lifetime are joe dimaggio john f kennedy jr Walter Payton and Dusty Springfield. So, I got most of these from what's called the Beloit Mindset List. They put this out every year. Um, And I've added a couple of my own. Uh, They're the last class to be born in the 1900s, the last of the millennials, next year, Generation Z, or whatever the next one's called. They're the first generation for whom a phone has been primarily a video game, direction finder, electronic telegraph, and research library. E Harmony has always offered an algorithm for happiness. It's always been around. Peanuts comic strips have always been repeats. Uh, they have grown up in a floppy less world. Um, many of you don't even know what that means. Um, the younger, they're, they're looking at each other like floppy what? <laughs> floppy discs. Uh, they have, have, were gone before they were even uh, born. There have always been emojis to cheer us up. Uh, the Panama Canal has always actually belonged to Panama, and Macau to China. It is doubtful they have ever used or heard the high-pitched whine of a dial-up modem. <laughs> Praise Jesus for that, guys. Donald Trump has always been a political figure, but as a Democrat, as an Independent, and now as a Republican, Amazon has always invited consumers to follow the arrow from A to Z. It's hard to believe Amazon has always been around in their lifetime. They don't know it any different. Dora the Explorer and her pet monkey Boots helped to set them on the course of discovery. The seat of Germany's government has always been back in Berlin. By the time they entered school, laptops were outselling desktops. As toddlers, I love this one. As toddlers, they may have dined on some of that canned food hoarded in the case of Y2K. <laughs> some of you still have some of that stuff in your basins, I know. I was here then. Uh, whatever the subject, there's always been a blog for it. As toddlers, they may have taught their grandparents how to Skype. Wikipedia has steadily gained acceptance by their teachers. Justin Timberlake has always been a solo act. sync? I'm not going to do my NSYNC illustration. Uh. <laughs> Thanks, yeah. Bill Clinton has always been Hillary Clinton's aging husband. <laughs> and fullness has always met at this location. There was no other place. And I was going to add this in. Uh, they don't know any of the songs I did last week. Uh, <laughs> that's part of... Uh, Times have changed, but one thing we can say for sure, through the grace of God and challenging times, God is the same. God is at work in our lives. What I want to do this morning is I'm beginning a new series called E3. Uh, For those of you who are new to fullness, E3 is really the three E's that we say that have to do with who we are as a vi- uh, the vision of our church we are called to encounter god and his people to experience the holy spirit and help you discover your purpose and to expand our influence by making a difference over the next three weeks we're going to talk about these three e's I- I- We're just coming out of our 25th anniversary, and I want to remind those of you who are a part of fullness and have been a part of fullness, this is who we are. Those of you who are new to fullness, I want to help encourage you by sharing the vision of what we believe God has given us as a church. But today what I want to do is kind of introduce this this theme of who we are and vision by sharing with our graduates and sharing with you who we are. Uh, these three young people are children of this church. Uh, Olivia uh, was, uh, she was born after we moved into this location. She spent her entire life in this church. And Landon and Griffith, they came a little later, but really the formative years of their life have been as a part of fullness. So as they go out, I, I want to remind them of who we are and as a result, who they are. So I'm going to do that by looking at what I would consider the key passage for us as a church. Uh, Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. I've preached on this passage many times, but I want to share with you in a little briefer form this morning, really who we are as a church to remind our graduates who they are as they go out from this place. Because we... We don't believe that Christianity is a singularity experience. In other words, this is not just about you and God. We believe that God is looking for a people after his name. Uh, He does look for a person, but the person, this individualistic American attitude that we have about just me and God is really not biblical. It's really us and God we are the people of god we are a family we are a building we are a body we are who we are you guys are who we are and as you go from this place i want to remind you about who we are so in ephesians 3 14 paul says uh, he starts off with these three words for this reason Now, I could spend the next 20 minutes easily talking about what it means for this reason. In other words, the phrase he's using here, for this reason, means that there's a lot of stuff that's come before. Uh, For this reason. What reason? The reason, it is incredible what Paul's already laid out. He's already laid out, hey, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be open. That you can know who you are. Who are you? You're alive in Christ. Because Christ is raised from the dead, you who were dead are now alive. But even more than that, you're now part of the people of God. We are the church held up to God's glorious light like a diamond with all its facets where the light of God shines through. We are are the people of God, Jew and Gentile. The mystery of God has been uncovered. And now this unbelievable thing has happened that we who are from different races and different backgrounds and different socioeconomic groups, we are one people. For this reason, he goes on and says, I kneel before the Father from whom his whole family, that's us, in heaven and on earth derives its name. And then he prays for three things for them. He says, first, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being." So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now, I just ripped through that passage, but it's really, really good. He prays first that you would have you to understand that you have power through the Spirit. Power through the Spirit. Look up here, guys. I was in my mid-20s before I realized that I was saved, but that I wasn't supposed to be trying to live the Christian life out of my own strength or might. In other words, <coughs> excuse me, I was raised in a Christian home. Uh, I went to church all my life, from I mean nursery on, like, kind of like these guys. I was in church. I went to a Baptist college. I was in a Baptist seminary. I was living the good Christian life, but somehow I had missed the truth that is this, that God saved me and empowered me with his presence, that I could not live the Christian life out of my own strength, that at some point I was going to fall short, I was going to fall frustrated, it just wasn't going to happen. But he put his spirit in me, his power in me that enabled me to do it. We've tried from day one at Fullness to emphasize this over and over and over again. The only way that you can get saved and the only way you can live the Christian life and the only way that the body of Christ can be built up is through the power of the Spirit who indwells us. Now, when I was younger and we ever talked about the power of the Spirit, it got so... I I, I didn't like it because the only people I know who talked about the power of the Spirit... This is just honest. We're so weird, I didn't want to be around them. I mean, I considered myself a relatively normal young man. I, I know that's a deception in and of itself, but I liked sports. I liked, you know, different things. I liked talking to people without it sounding weird. I, I liked different things. And the only people I knew who were filled with the Spirit were weirdos. That's not what God has called us to be, to be weird, empowered. He calls us to be us empowered. In other words, who he's made us to be, but empowered by his presence. Paul is saying, I, 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 I pray that he'll strengthen you with power through his spirit. Open your eyes to see the power of the spirit in, in you. Unleash, let the power of the spirit dwell in you to make a difference in this world. And then he goes on, <coughs> excuse me, that to pray that you would know this love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. In other words, you can't know it, but I pray you know it. How do you know it? Well, you don't know it with your head. You know it with your heart. You know it in in the realm of the spiritual that God has given you, to know this love. People all over the place all over the place, are are dying because they don't think they're loved. I mean, really, they're dying physically, emotionally, spiritually, relationally. They don't realize that they're loved. They are so wounded that they think the entire universe is circling around the wound of themselves. Thank you, Scott. And so everything they do, they view through the prism of I am unloved. You may be here and be like that today. Paul is saying, look, you don't know this love of God with your head. You know it with your heart. And I pray for these three and all of us that we would, we would know this love that surpasses knowledge so that we would be filled to the measure of all the, and here's where we get our name from, the fullness of God. A remarkable truth that you can, the fullness of God can inflow you. That's who we are. That's who he's called us to be. He he prays for that. And my prayer for these three is that they would know the power of the Spirit, the love of Jesus Christ, and the fullness of God. Why? Because when it happens, God, who is able to do more than we can ask or imagine, his power is going to be at work within us. In order that glory can be brought to the church and Christ Jesus For how long? Throughout all generations. Forever and ever. Amen. We need to look beyond ourselves. God has unbelievable things for you guys in the days ahead. Unbelievable. I mean, you can't even think them. You can't even imagine them at this point. But God knows. God has those kind of things available for us as a church as well. You may be here and you may be old like me. Or you may be young like them. But I want to tell you that God can still do unimaginably great things in your life. Do you believe that? That he can still do those kind of things? I, I, have you ever been like, you ever been to a baseball game? It's like the ninth inning, two outs, your team is behind by a run, the bases are loaded. You're sitting on the edge of your seat in anticipation. Okay, some of you have never been to a baseball game. Have you ever been to a movie or read a story or something? And it's coming to the climax. It's coming to a point. And there's this sense of anticipation in you that something great is about to happen. That's what I feel for our church right now. I believe we are on the edge of what God has called us to be. It's taken 25 years for us to get here. But I believe we are right there. So, I want to share our vision with you again, and for our graduates, and for all of us, I want to say, let me give you a couple of points, and how is this going to happen? What can we do to participate by the power of the Spirit, the love of Jesus Christ, the fullness of God? What can we do to kind of step into this destiny that God has for us? (coughs) Are you with me? I'm going to just turn this off for one second, so I can really cough. Thank you, Larry. <laughs> All right, here we go. First thing, adjust your attitude. Adjust your attitude. Paul says back in Philippians, each of you should, not, should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. What was Christ's attitude? Christ's attitude was, it wasn't about him, it was about us we let's face it you are you are indoctrinated with the attitude of self-interest i mean not only did were you born into sin which is basically the it's all about me but you're american in the 21st century oh my goodness just look at this all about me attitude that is just it, we are suffering the harvest of this attitude in politics, in economics, in life, in every other realm. We are looking at the harvest coming in of saying, it's all about me. How are we going to step into the unimaginable and to the power that God has for us? Well, we have to, we have to change the way we view things. We, we need to look out more for the interest of others than the interest of ourselves. And this is so countercultural for us to really do that. We need, to have, we need to have our attitudes impacted by the power of the Spirit that indwells us to adjust our attitude. Paul prays over in uh, Ephesians 4, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. In other words, <clears throat> we are, We, by looking out for the interest of others, maintaining a bond of peace, it gets us to a place of maturity. Let me just give you an example. Over and over and over and over and over and over over in life, you're going to have the opportunity to make a choice. I, I am now confronted with this situation, this circumstance. Do I choose joy? Or do I choose something else? Can I just share with you that (laughs) um, nowhere in the Bible is uh, uh, complaining seen as in a good light, murmuring. There's no spiritual gift of seeing what's wrong with everything. You were born with that. You can see that. What, What makes a difference is you choosing to see. The joy of life. Uh, when Kathy, Kathy and I are coming up on our 30th wedding anniversary uh, in June. And when we got married, we went on our honeymoon to the Dominican Republic, to Puerto Plata, to a, a resort. Now, it was my responsibility, my responsibility to plan the honeymoon, the location, the destination, the whole thing. And I'd done it, I, and I'm an over-researcher, I'm an over-planner. We've talked about this in the past, and, but I'd never been to the Dominican Republic. I didn't know anything. And so we, we flew in, got there, we walked into our bungalow. And you know, I'm a little, you know, I, I want Kathy to be happy. I want her to, to, to say how awesome this is. And we walk in our bungalow and it's, it's nice, it's on the beach, but, there is one key aspect which they never put in the brochure, and that it is unair-conditioned. There is no air conditioning. Staying on the beach, it's ceiling fans and windows in a tropical island environment, right? So I'm I'm now on edge, and um, Kathy changes everything by saying this place is awesome. This could not be more perfect. Now, in, you know, see, I know it wasn't perfect. I know in my head, perfect would be air conditioning. Uh, <clears throat> I, I understand. We're going to be here for a week in unair conditioned bungalow on the beach. But she cho- chose in that moment joy. And her choosing joy changed the direction of the entire week. Are you with me? You... It doesn't take a dang rocket scientist to figure out there was not air conditioning in the building. Everybody knew it. But you could, she had a moment where she could either choose joy or choose to complain. Her choosing to complain would have, honestly, women, you don't know this, but the male ego is much more fragile than you can even imagine. I mean, it, it, you just have no idea. I mean, really. I'm just letting you behind the curtain just a little bit. She could have destroyed things in that moment. But her choosing joy changed everything. Listen, you're going to be constantly faced with this. Adjust your attitude. Look out for the interest of others. Over the years, it has become one of my values to say, I choose joy. I choose joy in this circumstance. And by the way, joy and happiness to me are not the same thing. Joy and happiness, are, we can talk about this more in depth. I got to move on. But let your attitude be that of Christ Jesus. I could go on about our honeymoon. I, I'm going to. She, <laughs> Kathy doesn't even like the water. She doesn't like, she's kind of afraid of the water. She chose to take diving lessons and go diving with me. She chose to go golfing with me. She would never picked up a golf club, but she had a great time driving the cor- cart and that was, a, that was a risk in and of itself, and, and playing the par threes. But it, you know, I look back on that week with incredible joy, but mainly because of what Kathy chose during that time. You can change everything, everything by choosing to go with joy rather than complaining. Second point is this: pursue excellence. <coughs> pursue excellence. Paul said, uh, "Excuse me." Solomon says this, and he was pretty smart. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it what? Eh, Just get by. Just do the best you can. C is good enough if you can get an A. Look, if the best you can do is with all your might get a C, then get the dadgum best C you can get. But if you can get an A, get an A. Pursue excellence. Why go after things half-hearted? Why? I believe that God has called us to do everything we can to the best of our ability. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. Why? You're working under the Lord. You're, you're bringing an act of... Your work is an act of worship before the Lord. I just do that to keep you awake. Uh, that little sound, is just there to keep you, keep you on edge a little bit. Listen, I, I understand this. Excellence in and of itself can become an idol. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about as an act of worship unto the Lord, do what you can do to the best of your ability. Third point, look to the cross. Look to the cross. What, what do I mean by that? I mean, live a life of sacrifice. I, I know these things go together that adjust your attitude and choosing joy, um, to, to really uh, not be self-interested. But here, I, I'm talking about giving your life away. You know, we live in a world that says, look out for yourself and get all you can. Don't, 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 don't let anybody in and don't give your stuff away because who knows? Somebody may be showing up in your door trying to take it anyway. I mean, we got this fear the government's going to take our stuff. People are going to rob our stuff. If we, if we give stuff, I mean, we are a fearful people, and so we hoard rather than give. And we're to call, we are called, it is, that is straight from the pit of hell to me, that we are called to be hoarders and not givers. We are called to sacrifice and to give our lives away. Look at a couple of passages, and you can just write them down. I think most of them are in your bulletin. In Corinthians, it says the message of the cross is foolish to those who are perishing this idea of sacrifice, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. To me, there's this power that's released in our lives when we live lives of sacrifice. In Luke, he says to them, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross, how much? Daily. Daily and following is a constant lifestyle of living. I've been crucified with Christ, but it's not I who live, it's Christ who lives in me. The life I live in the body like I'm living it now, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. God takes, as we talked about earlier, God takes the sacrifice of Jesus and it leads to the power of life, the power of resurrection, the power of resurrection power that's now available to all of us who believe. Do you remember the story of the feeding of the 5,000? That's how we call it. It's really Jesus preaching all day and nobody being prepared. I mean, really, if you think about it. You know, think about it. 5,000 people there. The disciples, after a day of teaching, say to Jesus, this is a whole-day conference that has not been sponsored by Jason's Deli, right? So you're there at the conference. You're there all day. Jesus has been teaching. It's awesome. Getting late in the day, the disciples say to Jesus, hey, since we've got to get these people, so we got no food. we got no food that um, we, can, we can give these people. And Jesus says, well, find out how much food there is to, that, that we've got. Uh, you know the story. They go out and they say, yeah, there's a boy. He's got some bread and some fish. Now, <clears throat> see, this is the most un-American story you have ever heard. I mean, can you imagine the little boy on his way to the conference that day, and his mom said, you know, I've heard that Jesus can go on for a long time. You might better take your lunch. Here's some loaves, and here's some fish, just in case Jesus goes on for a long time. And so the boy's there with his lunch, and then they're saying, hey, has anybody got any food? You know, Americans would say, hey, it's my food. Why should I help you unprepared people? Why should I, the only one who came prepared, share my food with you? But but this little boy, he gives, he sacrifices his food, and what happens? The unimaginable happens. Jesus takes it, breaks it feeds 5,000 with five loaves and two fishes because he was willing to sacrifice. See, sometimes you haven't seen the miracle of God in your life because you've been trying to hold on to rather than let go. And it's in the letting go, the attitude of the cross, the attitude of sacrifice that says at times that's when God can move in and do great things. And that leads me to the last point, really, is to know that our limited resources are limitless in God's hands. Our limited resources are limitless in God's hands. You know, you may be saying to yourself, you know, even if I sacrifice, I don't have that much to give. You know, I'm not not that smart. I'm not that talented. I don't have that much ability. I don't have this. I don't have that. Listen, it's not about what you have. It's about what God can do with the little that you give him. Because in that, God can move in miraculous ways. And in doing so, God can do more than you can ask or even imagine. And there's some great things being imagined in the world right now. Do you know the, um, that, that in uh, the Netherlands, Dutch trains now run solely on wind power? On wind power. It's incredible if you think about it. We're, we're building Hyperloop trains in California that'll run in a vacuum at 760 miles per hour. You can go from San Francisco to L.A. in less than an hour. A lot less than an hour when they finish, finished. They're developing a, a way of fighting fire fire, uh, forest fires. <laughs> They're developing a way to fight forest fires with drones, putting out fires with sound waves. Yeah. I, I mean, people are imagining great, great things. Floating farms. They're about to do the, they're about to experiments with the first head transplants. I I mean, things that we can't even, and we're going forward with AI and, uh, you know, other robotic things over here. Can't get past the head transplant. Just, Just move on. I think he'd look good with a head transplant. I mean, we can imagine a lot of stuff. But God can do more than we can ask or even imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. How? I I believe the other points lead into this one. Look, we, we need to have the right attitude. We need to believe. We need to change and have the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. We need to We need to pursue the best that we can with what God has given us. We need to look to the cross. We need to lay down our lives and give it to him. We need need the power of the Holy Spirit, the love of Jesus Christ, so that we can attain to the whole measure of the fullness of God. I believe that's what God has called us as a church to be and to do. And let me just say to our graduates, I believe you're going to do unimaginable things in the days ahead. I look at the three of you, and I I am so proud of you. I believe God is going to just take what he's invested in you already and unleash it on the world in a great way. And and I want to encourage you, as you go to college, as you find the person of your dreams, as you get married and have children, and to be a part of a body of Christ, a fellowship of believers that can encourage you to... Achieve the destiny for which God has created you and redeemed you. And to fullness, I say to us, to know that our limited resources of a church of several hundred, if we give our resources, what he's given to us already unto him, he can take them and make them limitless. And I believe he will do that both now and in the days ahead. Stand up with me and let's pray together. Lord, we thank you. I want to thank you for these graduates who are here this morning and represent each of these families. And God, I speak blessings over them as their pastor. I pray that the, the power of the Holy Spirit and the love of Jesus Christ and the fullness of God would be fully realized in their lives. Lord, I pray for all of us who are a part of fullness. I pray, Lord, that your, your power would continue to be at work within us. That, Lord, this would be a place where when people walk in the doors, they will encounter the presence of God at work in the people of God. That, Lord, they would then experience the person and work of the Holy Spirit. They would discover their purpose and destiny so that the kingdom of God would be expanding continually all around them. Lord, we thank you for what you're going to do in the days ahead. We bless you, we praise you, we glory in you. Thank you. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or even imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen.